Oh, he's worth it all. He's worthy. Sing it again. You are worthy. You are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power. You are worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll because you were slain, Jesus, and with your blood you purchased men for God. From every tribe and tongue, people, language, and nation, you've made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Praise your name. I thank you, Lord, when we come together to praise you that we're just catching a a glimpse of what's going on around your throne. And I thank you that those things which are unseen are more real than the things which are seen. More real than the the burnt food or the, the too much month at the end of the money or what else is happening in our lives. You are on your throne. We bless you today. We honor you today. We throw ourselves into you today in our spirits. Say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Spirit of the living God, have your way in us today. We invite you. We are awakened in our hearts toward you today. Let everyone hear your voice and respond with obedience today. In Jesus' holy and precious name you pray. we pray. Amen. 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 You guys did it to me today. I'm excited about Jesus. I, I just, goodness gracious. Let's hear it again. I, I know they do this. So many of you serve uh, in more private ways, uh, though this is before the Lord. But let's hear it for our band just leading us out. I'm so grateful. I've told, I've told Seth this. I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, it's just uh, so consistent, the grace with which he leads and uh, the fact that, we, uh, that, that he handles this so well. And it's a blessing to my life uh, because I'm not having to uh, look over his shoulder, but I'm able to receive what God has to give. And I'm thankful for your leadership, Seth, and this. Thank you. And band. Appreciate it. James, man, you got it in the Lord. You've learned with those massive pecs and large biceps <laughs> to hit them softly. But you look good doing it, brother. Come on. I'll tell you, one or two of us guys wanted to look like that. Okay, well, anyway. <clears throat> oh, praise the Lord. Welcome. Welcome home. Good to have you here today. Just hope that this does feel as home for you. I a uh, few things to kind of get uh, through with, but not just to get through with, but to rejoice in. Before we go, is uh, my wife's pregnant? I'm not too old, Christian. I'm not too old. Some of you are thinking that. I'm thinking that sometimes, but. Uh, this one will be 18 when I'm 64, so let it be, Lord. Now you do the math. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm also, I just wanted to alert you, uh, 
iPhoners who are turning off your phone and not texting or looking at Twitter while I'm preaching. Um, unless you're tweeting, please tweet. Yes, well, unless you tweet, write it down, tweet after the service. Uh, but there's a little something if you look on your apps or whichever. It doesn't have to be an iPhone. I guess it can be a Galaxy or whatever the thing you put them together and they get their information. Uh, anyway, um, smartphones. That's what it's called. Uh, it's called Four Spiritual Laws. And uh, it, it's just a free app. And you may or may not want to take someone through it. But Bill Bright, uh, who's the founder of what's called Crew now, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, they, um, it's just a simple gospel message. Different scriptures and, and you know, God's love. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Anyway, uh, and you're able to, I'm not, yeah, flip through. And so if you want this application on your phone, I think it'll help you, especially if you're wanting to share something with someone or, or you're sitting with someone and talking with them and just asking them to go through it with you. It's, it's not the only way to share the good news of Jesus, but it is a way. So it's called the four spiritual laws. If you want it, go on now and get it for free. Who likes things for free? Come on. All right. Uh, (laughs) uh, Andy Archer is a very nice lady. And she um, uh, is going to come share with us just a couple of things God's been doing in healing among us lately. And uh, I just saw a little buzz. You knew Tyson was over there, you know. Tyson, Paul, whoever knows him, was over there praying and talking about healing, which is exciting. Uh, But I thought, you know what? Why don't we have uh, uh, this young lady come and just share a little bit about what God's doing among us. As we hear a testimony, it will spark our hearts more and more toward believing that God is with us, right? Religion or religiosity is God was somewhere at some time. (laughs) But true relationship with Jesus is God here, now. And so come on up and just share for a couple minutes. I gave her three minutes. It'll be less. It'll be way less. Let's hear it for Andy Archer. Your hair looks very nice today, by the way. I just thought I'd tell you something. <laughs> um, so I just really wanted to share just because it's pretty amazing and my faith has been increased dramatically, but uh, we've had, I've seen two healings at my workplace in a prayer group that we started there corporate company, Reebok, so pretty amazing, shoulders were healed, mobility to here, then Amen. to here, all the way, so uh, pretty amazing there, and then also on our faith group on Wednesday night, Gemma was healed, we saw her knee that was in a brace be reduced, the swelling was reduced to less than the like healed, normal, regular knee, Amen. so pretty amazing, and then also we prayed for Alyssa Howe's back last week, and she's been healed since, mm-hmm. so... All right. Just wanted to share that with you guys. The Lord's doing stuff and he wants to heal more. So All right, pray it on us more and more. Just ask the Lord for more. In Acts chapter 2, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit happened and healing happened. In Acts chapter 4, they didn't just sit back and order pizza. (laughs) Acts chapter 4, they said, Now, Lord, enable us, your servants, to speak your word with boldness, stretch forth your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. So we don't want this just to be a raindrop. We want it to be a, a storm of God's love and grace. So let's pray and agree together with our sister for more of his healing to be outpoured. Lord, we just thank you and we just praise you that you love us, that you desire to show us your love in great measure, Lord. And we just 
Um, Thank you for tangible ways, Lord, that are inexplicable to our understanding, Lord, that we can see your love transform lives. Lord, we just ask for more of an outpouring of this. We ask today that people are healed, Lord, emotionally, physically, mentally, Lord, that the people are made whole, Lord, in your body and in in your word, Lord. And we just pray pray this for your glory um, in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sister. Man, I tell you, more and more, I just feel it more and more. Not that I didn't feel it before, but people like uh, Andy, uh, she's the real deal in God. And I'm stirred and encouraged. And I, I want to let you know, you spur me on for God, right? As I've said before, I'm, I'm 45. And when I was 25, I was really excited about Jesus. But I, I, I feel more excited about God than I've ever been. And as I've said, when I'm 65, watch out. I may still be preaching here. It may be Jude or whoever else, but Jude is preaching off the side of his bed now. My son of four years old, true gospel. Uh, Jesus died, rose again. It's good stuff, so we'll see what comes with that. Hey, um, well, anyway, anybody enjoy the last four weeks as we spoke about revival? Anybody? Yeah? Have a fresh faith sparked in your heart? Well, I hope you did. God is a God of hope. He's a God of impartation. And uh, as we spoke the last four weeks about revival uh, and uh, what it was and what it wasn't, (laughs) really, uh, revival, as Duncan Campbell, one of the leaders of the Hebrides revival off of the coast of Scotland, said, it's a community saturated with God. That's really what we're desiring is God among his people doing his work, affecting believers, building them up and renewing them in their passion for God and, and absolutely having an effect upon the unbelieving world and bringing many to salvation, to healing and deliverance. Anyway, we spoke about this over the last four weeks. We went through what it is, looked at a biblical example in Acts chapter 2. Uh, we talked about uh, the, first, the, or the first three awakenings. Uh, the first, second, and third looked at uh, some of these guys, Finney and uh, Wesley Whitfield. And, um, and then we looked at the decade of 1900 to 1910 last week and talked about revivals in Wales and uh, revivals in, in uh, uh, different places throughout that revival decade. And we were saying, why not this be a decade of revival or two that ends it all? Jesus comes in the clouds. Why not? Why not? Well, if we're too clinging to the world, that's why not. <laughs> but if we're willing to say, Jesus, you coming in the clouds, so to speak, is more important than me uh, just doing my deal, <laughs> then he's gonna, he, he will come. And I can tell you, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him. I want to be with him. Uh, this world is not our ultimate resting place. Uh, the new heavens, the new earth. Uh, uh, is, is where we're destined for. And uh, so anyway, uh, but I believe we planted a fresh seed of hope and expectancy as we talked about revival. We're moving into a new series, but not, we're not moving off of revival. Okay? You okay with that? No more just, uh, you know, business as usual, right? Or, again, what we're saying is what we want to see here today means 
thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands or whatever. That may be too many in our city. But ten thousands and hundreds of thousands of people going to a Christless eternity is not going to be allowed anymore. (laughs) We want to see our city become a hard place for people to go to hell from. And uh, a place where people receive the grace of God. And so everything we do is building upon a fire for God and, and letting the nations be glad for His glory. Because really, um, the world has nothing to offer <laughs> that, um, that we really need. It's as the old Christian band, they're not old, I guess, Cademan's Call, in this world, Right? You know that one? This world has nothing for me, and this world has everything. All that I could want, and nothing that I need. How true is that? This world has everything I could want, but nothing I really need. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. And then when you have Jesus, you have it all. And you have, you have everything of the best that Jesus... Th- in this world has to offer with no sorrow. Um, anyway, so we're going to talk, we're moving into a series, we're continuing in our revival fervor, <laughs> and we're going to move into a series called the Relational Remedy Series. Uh, we're going to talk today about the basis of healthy relationships, and we're going to look next week at um, accessing God's grace in relationships. Now, how do we, you know, uh, we... We legally, many of us are saved, know Jesus, but how do we really access that grace in him to walk in relationship with God and with others? We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about dating without disaster. Anybody up for dating without disaster? I've had a disaster or two, no longer, years ago, but, uh, and uh, you know what? If you've dated with disaster, oh, get ready to get healed up. And I'm not kidding, by the way. Get ready to get ministered to and get your broken heart healed. There's too much brokenness. But we've got the healer of hearts among us. Anyway, I'm sorry, getting off onto that one. And then we're going we're gonna to talk some about marriage and, and uh, about relating across the generations. So, uh, but we want to learn, uh, really, when it all comes down to it, uh, the kingdom of God is about relationships, relationship with God, with his people. So we'll talk about that. Interestingly enough, I'm reading a book. It is not per se a Christian book. I actually, anyway, it's not per se anti-Christian, but it's called The Charge by a man named Brendan Bouchard. And it's more of a, it could be perceived as self-help, but I, I don't go for self-help. I go for Christ's help. <laughs> And uh, when he says, you know, whatever he's talking about, the ten charges that make you feel alive as a human, uh, those all relate back to Christ, to Christ-like values, right? Uh, so I just want to say, but it's interesting, even he in his book said, true lifelong happiness comes from connecting with and loving others. That's, that's yeah, that's a... Secular, he may not consider himself secular, but not a Christian-based kind of author, per se. Uh, he said that, and, and we want to we talk today about the basis of healthy relationships. You know, God's original design for relationships was awesome. <laughs> and uh, his ultimate design for relationships will be even better. That's how God does it. We mess it up, he makes it better. How about that one? 
Anybody have kids? You know about that. They mess it up, you make it better. Uh, he, uh, well, if you have the right heart, a God's heart. God's original design was a free flow of love and no shame. I don't think we understand what no shame really means in a lot of ways in our lives and in society. Shame. Well, anyway, we look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25. God had done the creating, right? Day 1, day 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. The, the, the clouds, you know, um, above from the, the earth beneath, the darkness taken away, everything coming in, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just God was setting the stage by creating the heavens and the earth in their vast array. And then he set it all up, and then the players and uh, uh, those who were the part of his glorious design, men and women, were created because really it was all for his glory. God designed us to be in relationship with him and to rule with him in friendship. To be his friends and to also be rulers with him. You see, God created man and he didn't name all the animals. He said, Adam, you name them. And what you name them, they will be. You see, God wanted to share with us his relationship. But he wanted to share his authority with us uh, and give us an opportunity and uh, so uh, it was found that there was not a suitable helper for Adam. The giraffe was not suitable. Uh, the hippopotamus was not suitable. Whatever uh, Adam named <laughs> all of the animals, it was not suitable. But what was suitable was woman. Woman was created for man. And it says in Genesis 2 that, that um, God created them, male and female, in his image. He created them. And so we were created with him and for him, with a relationship without shame. Genesis 2.25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I come from Texas, we call it naked. That's how it is. If you want to learn how to speak Texan. They were naked. But naked and felt no shame. You know, we were originally created to have that unfettered loving relationship with God. God and all of his goodness. God didn't create us because he needed us. God created us uh, because he, he had it in his heart to draw us to himself, to share with us, and, and to expand his glory. God didn't need us. And that's good to know. It's not that God doesn't desire you. <laughs> he just doesn't need you to be complete. God is complete. That's what holy really means. God is complete. There's no shade. There's no shadow with him. It's funny. It's interesting. Even Balaam, who was brought to curse the, uh, the people of Israel before they entered Moab, uh, even Balaam had this to say when God got a hold of his tongue. He said, God is not a man that he would lie, nor is he a son of man that he would change his mind. And that's repeated in different places, not from... Uh, it's interesting in the scripture where different people, you quote scriptures and don't realize who said it. <laughs> but God is the same, uh, Jesus, as it says clearly in Hebrews, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He doesn't need us, but he desires us. You just praise his name for that today. Oh, man. Whew. Because out of his overall not neediness, <laughs> we were able to be filled by him in the original design. And uh, let me tell you a few things. There, there were, was no distance. There was not distance. 
God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. There were no secrets. How many secrets are in this room? (laughs) No secrets with God. No gossip. No lies. Everything was seen for what it was. And there was no rejection. No rejection. God, in an unfettered way, shared his love with Adam and Eve. That's the crime, so to speak, of the original sin, of the fall. (laughs) We had everything but Satan the tempter, who had already had his fall from heaven before this whole scene came about. Don't have time to go into that. We can go in scripturally later if you'd like. But mankind uh, sinned. Mankind's sin stopped the flow. It's a flow stopper, right? Not a show stopper, as some of you who listen to Christian rap or whatever, hip-hop. The show stopper. Uh, It's not a show stopper, but it is a flow stopper. And it messed everything up. Oh, man, everything got messed up when man sinned. Oh, Oh, isn't it just like Satan to promise you something and then just, he always delivers less than what he promises. It's kind of like me going to the Plymouth Rock. I bless Plymouth. But man, I saw the Plymouth Rock. I was like, the Plymouth Pebble? What is that? When I was a kid growing up in Texas, that thing was, you know, and then I'm like, what is that down there? Are you, you know, but, (laughs) and you know, there are a few things like the Grand Canyon that I think are as good as build. But man, God, God always delivers more than you would think, and Satan always less than he promises. Always, always. But anyway, in Genesis chapter 3, 6 through 13, man and woman sinned. When the woman saw, so the tempter had come up, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, you don't know this, sin doesn't look unappealing. (laughs) I mean, if you're waiting for sin not to look appealing, um, it it begins looking more and more unappealing the more you get to know God and get to understand the goodness of God. But initially, in man's viewpoint, it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. It gratified, but it didn't satisfy. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. The man lacked initiative. That's not a good thing. And the woman acted without covering, and and the man as well needed covering, and neither of them did. Not good. So let's talk about a few things that come immediately. I mean, we had no shame, no gossip, no fear, nothing of that sort. Only joy, peace, comfort, love. Good stuff. Well, here's a few things in the next verses that came about. How about shame and self-obsession? Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Shame. Shame. The realization, uh, a desire to cover oneself, a desire to... To a, a separation between us and someone else. A self-obsession, you know. As C.S. Lewis once said, humility is not thinking less 
of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. But we became self-obsessed. How about isolation and fear? Well, let's look at the next verse. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Isolation, fear, and hiding. It didn't take any verses. Eat the apple, right there. How about blaming and a victim mindset? The very next verses. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You know, so many of us are, I've said very clearly, God is not a kill joy. He's a give joy. Whenever he has a restriction, it's for our protection and our betterment and our full joy. But anyway, the man said, the woman you put here with me, uh uh-oh, Adam, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It's her fault, Lord. Not my fault. It's her fault. Right? It's not my fault I'm in pornography. You should see the internet. They're putting all this stuff out before me. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh-uh. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, uh, for being so serious and honest. Then the Lord God said to the woman, I'm actually not sorry. What is this you have done? Well, at least the woman's going to take credit for it, right? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Well, yes, the serpent deceived her. He'll have his due, and he would have had his due anyway. But it's it's not what they're doing to you. How are you responding to what's done to you? That's the key, so much of a key in life. We can live our lives as victims. They did this to me. Yes, they did this to you. But do you know who did this for you? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. Absolutely they did that to you. And it breaks my heart. And it breaks his heart the most. But there's nothing the devil has wrecked that God can't restore. You know, all problems, or I could, let let me temper it just a moment here. No, I'm not. All problems with mankind can be traced to broken relationship with God and with other men. And women. You know, war is a relational problem. But war, you just see it everywhere, right? I'm from Dallas. We don't think people from Houston are that great. And they think we're not so great. Regionally. I mean, you, you have it anywhere. What region are you from? Who do you look down on and who looks down on you? God bless you, Houstonians. Pornography and sexual sin is a relational problem. Addictions of that sort, as well as eating disorders, other things there. These things are relational problems. Problems with broken relationship. The unfettered flow was cut off by man's sin. You had the continual flow from God. Adam 
was giving to Eve, and Eve was giving to Adam out of the overflow. And then, hose gets crimped, no flow due to sin, and then Adam and Eve became takers. Give me that. Give me my identity, Adam. I need you for my identity. Give me your body. Give me whatever, right? The man says. Give me, I dominate. And instead of being the givers and the receivers that God created us to be, we became takers. And we became rejectors and rejected. You see how bad it got? You experienced it at all? We became victims. We became all of these things. But you see, addictions oftentimes come from us because of the, the, the hole in our relationship with God, primarily, trying to put a wall between us and our pain. My pain is too great. Therefore, I will look at pornography in order to up the dopamine level in my mind comfort me, to salve me in my problems. Therefore, I will get into relationships I shouldn't either physically or emotionally. Therefore, I will uh, starve myself privately so that I can be accepted. You see the problem? You see these addictions come because we have been cut off from the flow. And it becomes a vicious cycle, A friend of mine, as I just want to mention here, she is now, um, well, let me just say this. A friend of mine was on staff with me as I led a training school similar to RCFTS in Texas a number of years ago, maybe 18 years ago, however many years ago. There was a gentleman that was on staff with me, and I remember him in my office sitting on the floor weeping. And the reason he was weeping, he was on staff with me, is that his wife was bulimic. And he wasn't sure what they were going to do. Because she was not just partly. She would go and do what she did and eat and binge and go back and continue. And they were married and it, it just was coming to a huge head. And um, eventually, well, uh, this young lady, it became found out that her father, who was in another city, uh, was a pastor who had been in an illicit relationship for years. The father did not take his place of protection and covering. He lived the lie. And he came forward with that. He repented. He was restored to his wife. But everything was coming to a head. And until the place where she was able to be specific about her issue and to quit blaming others for it and to quit hiding was when she broke free. She eventually was hospitalized for a few weeks and we were fasting and praying and calling out and we didn't know what was going on. And, and he said, I, I don't have enough to believe. I said, brother, I'll believe for you today. We're going to see her come to freedom. Well, it was a process, but the process, how serious you are with God, can certainly speed the process. I'm not saying 
that some, I don't know why some people deal the way they deal, but she was set free. She's been in ministry for about 15 years, and if you knew her, you'd think she'd never dealt with it. Does she ever, is she ever tempted to binge and purge? I bet she probably is. Is that her identity anymore? No way. Has she lived in it? No. But the point was, she, this problem was based on a broken relationship. Broken relationship with her father. Broken relationship with God. And she's free today. And bringing freedom to many. You see, whatever you're bound in today is, a, is just a testimony for tomorrow. Of freedom that you can bring to many. <laughs> it's not what you're bound with today. It's whether you choose to stay bound. It's whether you choose to cover. It's whether you choose to be vague. To the specificity of our confession. And this is where I'm talking about revival. Is the specificity of our freedom. Well, bro, I'm just dealing with some things. You know, I'm just dealing with some lust issues. What you're saying is, I'm staying up all night looking at pornography on my computer. How about the second thing? Why don't you mention that? Oh, I'm just dealing with some comparison issues. How about, I'm, I have an eating disorder. I'm obsessed. How vague are we going to stay? God wants us to be specific. So that he can shame us? No, so that he can free us. Goodness gracious. I have no shame for you. Shame off you. Not on you. Shame off you. I'll say it again. Shame off you. But God will break through. If we choose to hide behind vagaries and put forth a front, Freedom is limited. But as we choose to be honest and open with the right folks, with, with trusted friends, then we're set free. <sighs> Praise his holy name. The remedy is the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to move right on here. Surely, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or, or a man or woman or whoever else. I'm adding that part. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Praise his holy name. God's remedy is Jesus. He bled And he died so that the shame you're experiencing today could be broken from you for all of eternity. He received the crown of thorns upon him and the blood going down his face and the scars in his brow so that you could wear a crown of glory. Praise be to the name of Jesus. He who was rich became poor for our sakes so that through his poverty we might be made rich. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was pierced, crushed, punished, wounded. And we glory in Christ through the cross for the overcoming of sin. What's the remedy for our relational problem? And don't say, I know this one already. Is it living vibrantly in your life? Christ. Crucified and resurrected. He's the answer. And everything we talk about from here on out 
has to have its place in Christ, in Christ Jesus who rules and reigns. And healthy relationships in our church, in this church, in the church of the Lord Jesus in Boston, will change the world. John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's not, they're not going to say, Wow, look at their doctrine." Yes, doctrine is good. I'm not against doctrine. But you cannot have proper doctrine without proper relationship. Who's been right? Who's ever seen someone right in a doctrinal issue with the wrong spirit and destroyed rather than built up? The Pharisees had their doctrine right. They just destroyed people with it. It's not truly right unless it's right in spirit and in truth. As we... Uh, reestablish healthy relationships in our church, in the church, we will rescue and renew the world. When we learn to relate to God and one another in a healthy way, this is what will impact the world in the greatest way. Not merely our doctrine. Important. I study, okay? Please don't give me the, oh no, he doesn't care about, you know, yes, I care about the mind. But the mind walks with the Spirit. But our, our healed and restored lives are going to be the greatest impact. Healthy families in the church are one of the greatest witnesses to the world. Why is it so tough to raise a family? Well, partly a Christian family because it's a witness and a life and a testimony. I walk around Boston. If I see a healthy, life-giving family, it's telling us something. We share the gospel with our words and show the outworking of it with our relationships. So I want us to stand as the band comes forward. And um, I want us to... You know, we talked about God's original design. We talked about the sin that caused shame and isolation and blaming. We, we talked about the remedy, the cross of Christ, and how these relationships are going to change the world. But I just want us today to say this. How specifically do you want to be free? To what degree do you want to be free? And I encourage you, if it's a, if it's a close friend, if it's, if it's one of our prayer team, whatever, you are safe with us. We have no desire to expose you. <laughs> We'd rather you be minorly exposed to an individual than be majorly exposed later. Because I've seen the later. I'm 45, not that old, but I've begun to see the later. And the later ain't that good. Man, today you can unload. Today you can receive grace. Well, I've tried already. Well, we're going to do it. We're going to fall on our knees. We're going to do it until you're free. I don't care how long. I'm here. I've been here 15 years. Hope to be here another 15 at least, if not 50. We'll walk with you, but you've got to be serious. And that's where we want to touch God in revival. We want to touch God. And you might say, well, I'm hopeless. Man, God wants to deal with hopelessness today. He wants to break it off you so you say, well, that's just who I am. No, if it's not whole, if it's not right, if it's not life-giving, it's not who you are in Christ. And if you don't know Christ, come and receive Him today. He has open arms to you. He wants to receive you to Himself, to forgive you, to set you free. And we'll talk over the upcoming weeks about how to apply, how we as believers apply into our lives. But let's come today. I just... um, um, let's have some of our prayer team come forward and let's have others and, and uh, nobody, I just pray a hedge about everybody, but I'm just saying if you need prayer for any of these things uh, and, or if you're just saying I want to I come to another level
of freedom in my relationship with you, God, and with other people. Come on, let's pray. Let's call out to God. Let's believe for His reviving power in our lives. Come on forward, prayer team, those of you who... And uh, if you want to come right here and pray, if you want to kneel or pray next with someone next year, or come forward and pray with one of our prayer team. Let's just, let's love God and let's get free in Him. God wants to happen all over this city where God gets involved. Where people are cut to the heart. If we're not convicted about sin, how's the world going to get convicted about it? If we're light and we wink at sin, how's the world going to fall into the conviction of the Lord? That's what revival is. God wants to deal with us. He wants to deal with our pettiness. He wants to deal with our stuff and His love and His grace. Man, in revivals past, people had pained expressions on their faces. But I'm telling you, once they met with God over it, radiant joy. You see, true godly repentance brings life. Let's stand. What I want us to do today is to say, Lord, why not here? Why not now?